great God of all, we thank you so very much for your scripture, for your words, for the ways that you speak to us in this world. And we ask now that we have on our minds the ways that you speak to us through creativity and through uh, imagination. We ask that you would speak to us through the pages of scripture, that you would open up our minds, open up our imaginations, restore in us a new and creative spirit. We lift up these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Hebrew scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. A gospel reading comes from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went out about among the villages, teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. As I mentioned earlier, Tim and I went to see the new documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, this week. It is about the life and work of Fred Rogers, a fellow Pittsburgher, one who is near and dear to the hearts of many of us. Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister right here in Pittsburgh. He was a regular attendee at the church that Tim's parents belonged to. 
He was one of my mentor's mentors. I grew up watching him on PBS, feeding the fish with him, imagining with him in the neighborhood of make-believe, learning how to love people who look very differently than I do, exploring how things like crayons are made, learning how to process powerful feelings about a difficult world. When the Challenger exploded, Mr. Rogers helped me work through some very big emotions about it. Even though I'd never met him in person, he's certainly one of the most influential people of my childhood. Because I was a pastor's kid, which meant I didn't really have a pastor at my church. I just had my dad. And so Mr. Rogers was my pastor, in a way. That is, without a doubt, what he was to each and every child who watched him on TV. He was not just a celebrity. He was their pastor. What a strange ministry the Reverend Fred Rogers had, but what a powerful one. And today's gospel passage affirms that the most powerful ministries, the ones that Jesus hands off authority to, are weird. The disciples' ministry was weird because it was modeled a bit after that of the cynics. The cynics were a group of Greek philosophers who were known for ignoring social rules and order. They were called cynics because that came from the same root as the Greek word for dog. Anyone who has ever lived with a dog knows exactly how little dogs care for human social order and manners. The way that the cynics spread their philosophy was by traveling about and taking very little with them on the road. They didn't care about possessions because possessions are just a part of the human social order and there was nothing good in the world worth bothering with if you asked a cynic. And they were required to rely on the hospitality of strangers wherever they met, went because of their lack of possessions. And so when Jesus sends out the disciples in this strange way we see in Mark 6, this looks suspiciously like how the cynics went out spreading their news. They were urged to take on this weird way of sharing their message, but it was a sign that God's kingdom was seeping into all of life and culture. That was how the philosophers of the day reached out and spread their thinking, and that is how the disciples were urged to reach out and spread the gospel message. TV was the new philosopher's tool in the 1950s and 1960s. It was the way that marketers and entertainers began spreading their messages. And Fred Rogers took a hold of that and he used it to reach out and to spread the gospel. Because the gospel message, after all, at its very core is, you are beloved just as you have been created. Now go and treat others with the greatest of respect and love. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair, but it's you I like. Our text today insists that we carry God's word, our story, our testimony, the gospel message out into the world. And we kind of hate doing that. We don't want to sound too religious. We don't want to push people away. What if people don't listen? 
But look at what the disciples are called to do. They're called to shake off the dust when someone is unwilling to listen, when someone pushes them away and find someone who will welcome them. They are told point blank, not everybody's going to listen. Shake it off and move on. They're not told to come in yelling, hellfire and brimstone, telling people they're wrong, then get offended when those people don't listen. They are still to act and to speak in love. Jesus relieves them of the worry or the pressure of feeling like they have to somehow persuade people with fancy rhetoric or have the entire Bible memorized. Just tell your story to whomever is willing to listen. And they're not told to look for the best bed in town. The first people to show them hospitality are the ones that they are to connect with through the acceptance of that hospitality for the duration of their stay in that town. In other words, don't dump the people who accepted your message first for someone shinier and wealthier and more bougie and interesting. They're told to take a risk, to land with whomever is willing to listen, whomever they find themselves with next to, to neighbors are. After all, they are the people who just land around us in life. Accepting the hospitality of whomever is willing to extend it is more than just tolerance. It's love. It's fully embracing people just as they are and modeling God's love of us just as we are. Tolerance is just saying, you're living here and I'm going to let you keep living here. That's fine. Love is not just being okay with someone. It's embracing them. And everything that they are, it's saying, I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. There are many ways we can follow this call to bring the message of God's kingdom to the people around us. God gave us imaginations, so let's use them. You guys, the neighborhood of make-believe is the kingdom of heaven on earth. Generations have grown up learning how to see the world in new and loving ways, in gospel-representing ways, through that neighborhood. Fred Rogers did exactly the thing that the disciples were called to in today's gospel passage. He didn't do it literally, but he did it. Mark says not to take an extra shirt, but the first thing Mr. Rogers did in every episode of his show was to change out of a jacket into a cardigan from a closet full of cardigans, so it can't be about the shirt. And Mr. Rogers changed from dress shoes to sneakers, never a sandal in sight, so it can't be about the sandals, and yet he carried that basic message of the gospel, you are loved just as you are, to millions children. So when I say to model ourselves after the disciples and after Mr. Rogers, I don't mean that you all have to go out and get rid of your possessions and become itinerant preachers relying on the hospitality of others for your basic needs. Nor do I mean that you have to go out and buy a closet full of cardigans. You'll find many ways to say I love you. You'll find many ways to understand what love is. Many ways, many ways, many ways to say I love 
Evangelism is about accepting hospitality from whomever offers it and learning how people are speaking in the world. Listen to what's happening in the world and share God's love in those places. Don't demand that someone changes the way that they listen. Change the way that you tell. There is no guidebook for this. We just have to jump in with both feet. We have to go out there without an extra tunic or another pair of sandals or go out there with a cardigan and a fish tank. Either way, just go out. Be you and do this thing. It's not easy to keep trying, but it's one good way to grow. It's not easy to keep learning, but I know that this is so. When you've tried and learned you're bigger than you were a day ago. It's not easy to keep trying, but it's one way to grow. Why would Jesus ask us to do something so uncomfortable? Because it's a good way to grow. And God works through us. As we grow. I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts this week, and this is where things really all started to connect together like we were just talking about, Martha. It's a podcast called Hidden Brain, if you haven't listened to it before. It's a very good one. And this particular episode talked about diversity and creativity. And I thought that was very, very timely this week as I was thinking about Fred Rogers, the champion of love and diversity and creativity and imagination. And they talked about a recent study that studied studies. Sounds ridiculous, I know. They were specifically studying the diversity of the scientists doing studies to determine if diverse groups were more successful, had more groundbreaking work than homogenous groups, groups of people from the same place. And they found that diverse groups of scientists indeed wrote more groundbreaking studies than homogenous groups did. They looked at many factors, but especially at how often those studies were cited and published by others. That's a distinct marker of a successful scientific study. How many other people are paying attention to it and sharing it? They also brought up a psychological study that showed college students who dated someone outside of their own culture we're more creative. Musicians who work in diverse groups are better musicians. Fashion designers who have lived or studied abroad have wider appeal and more creativity. We benefit through travel for this reason, not cruises or tour groups, but through travel where you really immerse yourself in the culture. You can do this at home, embracing and engaging with people of other cultures, but they found that that is more powerful when you are outside of your own familiar territory, just as Jesus sent the disciples out into unfamiliar territory. And then this podcast episode got me thinking about Yo-Yo Ma, who was already on my mind because he was heavily featured in the Mr. Rogers documentary. They were great friends, and in fact, Ma says that Fred Rogers is the person who taught him how to be a good person living in the public eye. And in this podcast, they talked about a musical movement that Yo-Yo Ma started called the Silk Road Ensemble. That is homework item number two for the week for you all. After you've gone to see the documentary, go find the Silk Road Ensemble on YouTube or in the music store, however you get your music. This is what uh, the Silk Road Ensemble's website says about this movement. 
Founded by cellist Yo-Yo Ma in 1998, Silk Road creates music that engages difference, sparking radical cultural collaboration and passion-driven learning to build a more hopeful world. The musicians of the Grammy Award-winning Silk Road Ensemble represent dozens of artistic traditions and countries from Spain and Japan to Syria and the United States. The ensemble is a musical collective that appears in many configurations and settings, from intimate groups of two and three in museum galleries to rousing compliments of 18 in concert halls, public squares, and amphitheaters. Silk Road musicians are also teachers, producers, and advocates. Off the stage, they lead professional development and musician training workshops, create residency programs in schools, museums, and communities of all sizes, and experiment with new media and genres that share Silk Road's approach to radical cultural collaboration. I found a second documentary this week, um, and there, you'll find information on that also in the sermon. That's homework number three, is to find this other documentary that is on Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road Ensemble. It's fascinating, and it's full of incredible music. These musicians from all around the world come together with instruments you would never think to place together in the same piece of music, and yet they create this beautiful music. Not only did Mr. Rogers teach Yo-Yo Ma how to be a public figure, he taught him how to think outside the box and how to accept the hospitality of everyone he encountered, or perhaps in this case, the musicality of all those he encountered. He found a way to help musicians from around the world become neighbors, and the resulting music is out of this world. Yo-Yo Ma heavily influenced by the witness of Fred Rogers, in turn found a unique and creative way to bring people together in a way that reflects heaven right here on earth. It's such a good feeling to know you're in tune. It's such a happy feeling to find you're in bloom. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. The world needs more disciples like Mr. Rogers. We should all want to be more like Mr. Rogers when we grow up. Not just tolerating one another, but loving one another. Not just coming to terms with the way the world is changing around us, but learning to minister to and through the changing world and culture. Not just living next to one another, but living as real neighbors. I have decided to toss in an extra hymn this morning. The next time the denomination creates a new hymnal, I am likely to lobby to have this one added. It may or may not be a very successful lobby, but I'm going to try my darndest. And I don't have a page number or a handout for you, but I think you'll be able to follow along well enough. Have I lost? Oh, no, you're right behind me. Um, Tom. Oh. 